0: I'm a guitar, i it up,
1: Welcome back to the News Watching podcast with me, Andy White, and with me today, a hungover Martin Theobald.
2: Wiki, wiki, wow!
1: <laughs> and Terry, are you hungover or are you recovered from the hangover where you told me your liver was hurting? I've got
0: no, no, whoa, 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 whoa! <laughs> I, I have liver pains right. Like, like I'm, I'm in full George Best mode right now. <laughs> you know, It's it, shut it, down. Yeah, if anyone is a match, you might get a phone call. Sorry about this, but I overdid it, right? <laughs> and it doesn't mean on Tinder.
1: Well, well, you might get a phone call. Can't overdo it on Tinder. Um, uh,
0: run out, run out of super likes though, <laughs> which is a nightmare. You know when you you run out of the super likes and then you click on the next one, and you're like, fuck. First world problems, <laughs> man, isn't it? I remember
2: hearing a little African kid tell me about that once. Um, he, was, he was devastated. Solved his
0: last bit of food for Tinder.
2: <laughs> he had to walk 25 miles to get reception. <laughs>
1: Uh, we are trying to catch you up slowly Terry uh, me and Martin were drinking mulled wine at about 2am
0: oh, this is after 5 <laughs> hours in the pub <laughs> yeah.
2: what we needed was 2 bottles of mulled wine to sink uh,
1: not to mention the fact that clearly someone who just spent 5 hours in the pub should be trusted with a pan of boiling
0: <laughs> wine <laughs> <laughs> trying to pour it into a supervised glass supervised
2: by my wife
0: yeah. um, wonderful you guys play with fire too much right?
1: ok <laughs> I guess we dive in uh, with Pacquiao Vargas. Now, mm, I think you're our only authority on this, Terry. So, uh, what happened?
0: Sadly, I had bullshit duties on this one. So, um, horrible, horrible fight. Um, Vargas, grossly overmatched. How how on earth that guy is a WBO champion, considering that 147 is meant to be the most competitive division is beyond me. But kudos to, to Bob Arum for basically you know, turning a turd into a crystal. Not even a diamond, just a crystal. Pacquiao didn't look anything like the Pacquiao of old. He looked like a thirty seven year old Pacquiao who's had war after war after war. And been retired. Yeah, been retired, passing bills in the Senate, whatever he's been doing. He he looked he looked like he was going through the motions. That's the first time I've said that about Manny Pacquiao. He looked like he was going through the motions. Once he figured out Vargas couldn't really do anything to him, he was just content to go through the motions Till the end of the fight he dropped him in the second round but I think that was just it was an off balance shot more than anything else but there's there's nothing you saw in that fight that made you want to watch Pacquiao again why is Pacquiao still fighting is it money money? so he gives so much money away and he does so many things with this money it's almost like he doesn't realise how much or how little he has at any given moment so I think he probably still owes tax authorities money so he keeps doing it but for him it's an easy paycheck. But also, if you look at it from the other perspective, Bob Arum hasn't got anyone on his roster right now who can guarantee half a million pay-per-view buys. And if you can't guarantee that, then the kind of the top-ranked business model collapses. So I don't even think this was on HBO. And I might be wrong. I don't think it was on HBO because HBO said, we're locked into Ward Kovalev and we're not doing two pay-per-views in a month. So I think Arum's run this on ESPN pay-per-view so it'll be interesting to see how many sales that does but overall I think unless Bob Arum can turn Crawford into a legitimate start he's going to keep flogging Pacquiao for at least the next two or three years
2: which he's not going to do that to Crawford is he Um, Crawford's too dangerous a fight for him as I didn't actually see it and I haven't caught up on it today but uh, from what you're saying and from what I've read about it I don't see Crawford Pacquiao happening anytime soon because it's too big a risk for Aram to lose his biggest cash cow oh man
0: yeah and I don't see Pacquiao fighting Thurman Porter Garcia all those guys will knock him out because Vargas isn't the most intelligent of fighters Vargas is not a big welterweight I think he weighed in at 146 Pacquiao weighed in at 144 and you've got guys like Errol Spence Jr struggling to hit 147 if Kel Brook comes back struggling to hit 147 so when those guys land on him, they'll knock him out, and that's the reality of it.
1: So, where does Pacquiao go from here? Then, do you think he? Yeah, what does he do next?
0: They'll find someone. They'll find someone, you know, and, and they'll find a name. They'll find a way of finangling a Cotto fight again. They'll do. It'll be something like that. You know, it'll be a bullshit fight that Aram will try and sell you as a competitive fight, and it'll be disappointing. Personally, I like Aram's idea of. ...having Pacquiao versus Lomachenko... ...truth be told... ...I'd have... why well, not Pacquiao was ...Pacquiao's 144... ...didn't look completely ripped... ...he could probably make... ...136, 137... ...get him in there with Lomachenko... ...Lomachenko doesn't have to die it down... ...you know... ...it's a good fight... ...it's a passing of the torch fight... ...and Aram gets to... ...crown his new moneymaker... ...so... ...we'll see what happens... ...but... ...there's nothing out there you want to see really... ...regarding Pacquiao...
1: ...are we... ...in your opinion... For you as well, I suppose, Martin. But Cheers. Are we likely <clears throat> uh, to see Pacquiao push himself beyond the limits of um, essentially his well-being? And are we, we going to see like a jittery, old punch-drunk Pacquiao in, in say, 15 years' time?
0: He doesn't get hit that often. So, so Vargas kept trying to load up with the right hand. You know, he believes his own publicity after. After the whole Bradley thing, oh, look how hard I hit him in the 12th round. So he was trying to bomb Pacquiao out of it instead of actually learning from what Mayweather did and just boxing the boxing the life out of him, which he didn't do. Pacquiao didn't take that many shots. Generally, he doesn't take a lot of shots because Arum doesn't put him in with volume punches anymore.
1: Right, so he was on the undercard for this then?
0: Really interesting. It, it seemed to just be a, a WBO showcase. So, yeah, the WBO welterweight title on the line. Then you had the WBO Super Bantamweight title on the line, which was Nonito Denaire versus I think it's Jose Magdaleno. I think everyone expected Daener to win this, move on to bigger fights. Daener looked old as well. Like he he really hasn't aged well and completely uncompetitive. Got exposed. Magdalena won unanimous decision. You know, I don't know where he goes next because Daenery would've been a good fight for someone like Scott Quigg. You know, it's a big money fight. Daenerys a name. Magdalena not so much of a name so don't know what happens with that Oscar Valdez unanimous decision as well Um, that's in the Carl Frampton division that's featherweight so that's a WBO featherweight title didn't look that impressive and I think if you stuck him in in that sort of company the Lomachenkos Nicholas Walters Carl Framptons you know Santa Cruz's, he'd get found wanting so good showcase fight for the WBO and it goes to show the WBO for all their faults are the governing body that gets their act together quickest because we're seeing their titles being defended and being fought quicker than we are the WBA or the IBF except
1: for Billy Joe Saunders the WBO
0: title (laughs) he remains
1: dusty in some caravan somewhere
2: I think he sold it (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> and he does, and he just doesn't want to get into a fight in case they find out when he turns up with one of those uh, you know good children's like WWF belts. Yeah,
2: or where you lose something that someone's lent you, <laughs> <laughs> you're not quite sure how. Like, I'm gonna wait see if I find it, <laughs> and then if I don't, like I'm gonna have to make up some bollocks excuse or try and replace it.
1: Um. Okay, so I guess are we moving on to Monaco. What's coming up in Monaco?
0: I'm trying to think of anything else um Con Sheehan in the heavyweights he boxed Kamalowski wasn't it yeah that's the guy that Dominic fought twice so you know maybe they're building up for a fight in that sort of space but the guy's good that's his third fight in talented amateur let's see what he does in the pros trained by Peter Fury so you can't go wrong with that but he's not really a Fury style fighter because he's quite conventional where normally the Fury guys are a little bit awkward you know live by their own rules that was a pretty good fight Um don't know do we need to touch on the Frank Warren card so the pet, the Paddy Barnes
2: I didn't see it but uh, yeah by all accounts he didn't look great from what I've read um, struggled with a journeyman but he's come out today hasn't he, and said uh, he doesn't think his next fight should be again he needs to fight a classier opponent and then you'll see the best of him
0: I. We, we, we hear this all the time when amateurs turn over and normally, it's when the amateurs turn over a little bit too old. Um, and this is my concern with the Katie Taylor situation as well. It takes a while for you to step away from that amateur style, you know, that, that, that keep it long, hop in and out of range, get your shots off because in you know, you're know you not rewarded for power in the amateur game. So I think Paddy Barnes probably came into this a bit too soon. I like what they're doing with Michael Condon, where Michael Condon won't box till March, which gives him a chance to make all of these mistakes behind closed doors and I'm worried about Katie Taylor because she might need to learn the same things as well something as small as these guys don't even sit down on their punches which is how they get exposed
2: it was um Chris Jenkins lost in the to Peter Sutcliffe unfortunate um, name <clears throat> what a name the hammer <laughs> 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 that's what he should be nicknamed but the, the ripper, ripper. Uh, yeah Peter the ripper
0: Sutcliffe
2: but uh, I again, I haven't seen it, but from what I've, <laughs> from what I've heard and read, um, you're going, Chris you're Jenkins
0: going to hell there, <laughs> you know, absolutely murdered the guy.
1: Oh
2: god! <laughs> 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 oh lord, lord! Uh, fuck, where are we? Uh, Chris Jenkins, Peter Sutcliffe. Um, Sutcliffe won. Chris Jenkins is going to struggle now I think I like Chris Jenkins he's a good fighter he's a nice bloke as well um, but what do you do with him he's lost now to Tyrone Nurse lost to Peter Sutcliffe he doesn't have the backing of any big promoter you know he's gone from fighting Nurse on a Sky show to sh- fighting Sutcliffe on a Frank Warren one I mean to an extent it's a nice situation He's are a bit of a free agent and you can go between the two but it doesn't benefit him um, and you know he-, he spends an awful lot of time out of the ring um, Yeah, boxing's that second Nurse fight I know he's, uh, he's teamed up now with Gary Lockett down in Wales, isn't he? But uh, I like Chris Jenkins. I just I think after he won prize Prizefighter, uh, he had all that momentum, and now it's it's just gone. I don't know what what happens with his career now. Okay, so this Saturday we've got the Ortiz Scott fight in
1: Monaco, uh, with a pretty bumper undercard, including one of your favourites, uh, Martin Murray. Martin oh. Murray, great news. <laughs> Um, right run us through Stephen Smith uh, Jason Sosa what uh, What can you tell us about this fight
2: uh, WBA super featherweight title fight um, Smith looking to you know become the second one after Liam now the Smith brothers to go and get a world title I don't know an awful lot about Jason Sosa if I'm perfectly honest
0: quite highly thought of in the States definitely in the this is a guy you know who could be a big star but what will he do when he's tested but it's one of these fights where you're you're looking at Stephen Smith going but you ducked Tevin Farmer at what point will you fight Tevin Farmer because he's probably the best 130 guy not named Lomachenko but you know anyone steer him that way you know so Jason Sosa will do they'll try and nick another belt tell us how great they are because they nicked another belt then hold that belt hostage as well and I feel for for Swifty Smith because he's I like him as a boxer. I like him. I think he'd fight anyone. He's just being poorly managed and poorly. He's poorly. He's being burned, essentially. Yeah. So they're, you know, they're trying to milk their their money's worth before they give him any meaningful fights.
1: Okay, so we've also got McDonald versus Solis, uh, Terry. What do you know about this?
0: Um, quite like Jamie McDonald. You know, really, really gritty guy, dedicated to his craft. You know, does a lot of good work. And Dave Caldwell, you know in the running for most improved trainer, definitely most improved stable. Um, you know, still want to see McDonald in the domestic fight. He still, yeah. he's, he still has Lee Haskins' business to resolve. So for me, all of these fights are great, but it's avoiding the issue that we have a lot of guys at that kind of 118, 122 space, and these guys aren't fighting each other. And I think what we're learning now is the fights that mean the most in this country are when people from the same country fight each other. And McDonald's being Hearn, you know, to to use Martin's expression, where they you know this fight means meaningless nothing. fights, yeah, It's utterly meaningless.
2: I mean, they were talking about um, Hearn in an interview the other day. Said about Ryan Burnett fighting Lee Haskins possibly in the next fight, um, which Lee Haskins is a cheap option for Hearn. He doesn't have to. You know, he doesn't promote him, and he can get him relatively cheap, I'd imagine, to come and fight on his shows. Um, But you've got Ryan Burnett You've got Jamie McDonnell If you're talking about making a world title fight for Burnett Why not use the one that you've got in your own stable And you can make it within your own stable Rather than having to go outside of it Because you want to nick another belt Buy another belt It's uh, Just make meaningful fights Like Jamie McDonnell versus Solis In Monaco I feel for Jamie McDonnell He's been over to Texas twice now To fight Kameda um, he's now going to Monaco like he must have pissed her off or like he's been caught necking off with her wife or something it's it's something like that I'm sure of it
1: does Martin Murray versus Dmitry Chudinov, uh promise anything other than
0: boredom I don't care like, <laughs> I really really don't care would rather poke both my eyes out I mean, and put my eyeballs in my asshole. Just hang myself and watch Martin Murray again. How many chances do you give a guy? It's not like he's, he's, he's not a Frank Bruno type guy where you look at him and go, he's a national treasure, he's done so much, he does panto, he does charity work. Martin Murray's a guy that says, I don't watch boxing. And you can tell because he doesn't really do it that well. He's a tough northerner with both hands up over his head. And he just marches forward, takes you know, takes a few slappings and then throws that really arcing right hand, which is so crude. But he gets by on being tough and, you know, someone will buy tickets to watch that. But look, that Northern style they have, it's regressive and it's bad because that's a guy that's going to end up unable to, I mean, fucking balance on the pavement when he's 55. Uh, and Tudinov I mean, Tudinov,
2: For those that remember him, uh, was a guy that Chris Eubank fought a while back. Is Dmitry not Fedor Tudinov. Um And Eubank just hit him for. I think he went the full twelve rounds in the end. There was a the one where Eubank actually like was stopping mid-fight to ask the ref, "Are you gonna? Are you gonna stop this?" Um, like Tudenov offers nothing particularly. It's just a, it's a pointless fight for Martin Murray. I don't see if you're going to use Martin Murray use him against some young British middleweights as a test Like, don't use him out in Monaco in a fight no one wants to see Tudor was a fairly reasonable replacement to be fair in that it was meant to be Arthur Abraham who's withdrawn uh, with an alleged injury <laughs> he just didn't want the same fight as that last
0: time yeah he was just like imagine you're Arthur Abraham and you're watching Martin Murray you're like oh he does that same boring stuff I do ah oh, forget <laughs> this
2: do you reckon, like, he signed the contract off and then a couple of weeks later looked at who it was that he was meant to be fighting yeah. and went, nah, nah, yeah. I'm not doing it, if <laughs>
0: yeah. I'm honest. Forget this. <laughs> this <laughs> rather poke my eyes out. 36 minutes I can do without. <laughs> uh, send me back to Armenia. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, and so heading the bill, we have Luis Ortiz making his European debut uh, against Malik Scott. Uh, what are you guys thinking about this?
2: It's all right, I'm comfortable with it. Like... Malik Scott, we all know the level of Malik Scott. So he got stopped by Chisora. Uh, and the controversy around uh, did he or didn't he get up in time, etc. Malik Scott is a good gatekeeper level fighter. Luis Ortiz is better than that. He'll look better than that. Um, I mean, one thing. Uh, <laughs> why is this happening in Monaco? We haven't really touched on this at all. Uh, why have Matt Shroom got a show in Monaco? They're clearly getting paid lots of money by somebody over in Monaco to bring a show there. Um, but it's a good Is way to do anything to
1: do with tax?
2: Uh, I don't know. I mean they've talked before about doing stuff over in America. Monaco's come out of the blue a little bit.
0: I think it's 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 this whole thing, isn't it? You've got the Sourns and K two casting envious eyes at what we're doing in, in the UK. And you've got Eddie Hearn then going, Well, I, I I have the fighters, I have the world champions. Why can't I put my guys on cards elsewhere? So you saw with the with the Brahmer, there's quite a heavy match presence on the cleverly Bremer card. You know, I think it's just that, that whole point of if you are the biggest promoter in Europe, you've got to, you know, expand your tentacles, test water with Monaco. They're used to boxing because I think Golovkin boxed it, and Murray's box there, in yeah. fact. Because Murray can't box in America, um, you know, because they realise how boring he is.
1: <laughs> he's barred him from the country because uh, He's got
0: a
2: uh, a legal issue outstanding, I believe. <laughs> um, but no, going back to the fight anyway. Like Luis Ortiz, it says enough about it that Luis Ortiz is booked on the December the tenth card up in Manchester. So you don't book a man for four weeks later if you expect him to be having a tough time uh, out in Monaco.
0: Expect Scott to fall over within four
2: rounds. Actually, like <laughs> many times, throw
0: himself onto the floor, and he'll have sponsored soles of his feet. I'm telling you now he will do what he did against Wilder. and yep. just go, right, you know, I've earned my money. I'm off to bed now, guys. Good night.
2: Yeah, um, as I say, I mean, we know what level Scott is. We know that Ortiz should be, is above that. Uh, it's not going to go long, but it will make uh, Luis Ortiz look
0: good. And the problem you have now is, you know, Eddie wishes he could swap Molina and, and Scott around, actually, because Scott's a better name to sell to a UK audience because he's familiar, as opposed to Molina, who's not. And you could have sold a Molina ortiz fight as a look. These guys aren't strangers to each other, good showcase fight for Ortiz, and no one would have complained. But you know, Eddie's kicking himself now going, yeah, well, whatever, you know, I'm up this shit now, so let's see what happens.
1: Okay, speaking of Eddie Hearn cards, and uh, Luis Ortiz being some way connected as a heavyweight, talking about heavyweights connected to um, Eddie Hearn, what went on with Anthony Joshua and his massive fight that never really happened and now he's fighting crappy Molina.
2: That what we've got is a fantastic headline of a pay-per-view that makes me want to get my uh, my credit card out pay over the 17 pounds and watch Anthony Joshua versus Eric Molina because that is pay-per-view boxing. You know, you can't run that fight without pay-per-view as Eddie keeps telling us. So, you know, what a great fight. Kind of, December 10th can't come quick enough for me. Like honestly, I'm getting hard <laughs> on just thinking about it right now.
0: You know, when I heard the tickets sold out, I was like, fans are really rewarding bullshit in the sport of boxing. And they are. What they're rewarding is a guy who's basically, and, and, you know, know three days I was angry at Eddie Hearn. I really was angry and I was disappointed. And then I had to applaud him and go, Eddie Hearn realises he has at least 100,000 suckers he can rely on to cough up money to buy the product he sells he's an
1: old rope salesman now isn't
0: he? well <laughs> he, he, you know, he must sit at home and go you know what I, like you know imagine this in Hearn Towers and the whole family around they're going do you know what you didn't get the klitschko fight we're screwed and eddie will just sit there and go no there are enough idiots in this country that will buy this and it's a real contempt for the fans and if you pay for this on pay-per-view if you buy this Never complain, not on Twitter, not on Facebook, not to your friends. Do not complain about another bullshit card. Because the only way you stop this, the same way the Americans have, is you say, right, no more pay-per-view, we're streaming it. That's what the American fans did. And what happened? Al Heyman and Bob Aram had to come together because there wasn't enough money. And the more we keep giving Eddie Hearn this license to fuck us around, and that's what he's doing, because we were never going to get Klitschko. Never. Because Klitschko was sat there going, how am I negotiating to fight for a belt? And I don't have a belt, you know? And then he's there, I, I, Vladimir Klitschko is a top dog. Once you take Fury out of the equation, he is a top dog because only Fury's beaten him of all the people who are currently active, you know? So, <laughs> I, that fight was never going to happen. People got excited by it. And it's, you know, you see people with ask kissing tweets to Eddie Hearn, hoping for a retweet. Love you, Eddie. Another great card. Yeah, you really did a great performance there. I'm looking forward to Vladimir fighting Joshua. If you could retweet this and get my boxing blog known, that'd be awesome, mate. And if you could come on, I'd really love that. So,
1: um, I also heard that the, the the WBA sanctioning a fight for Klitschko versus Joshua in the spring. How would that work? Well,
0: well, the WBA are quite sensible. They're like, we're only going to get. of a small amount if it happens now. We're going to wait to get all of this governing body traffic out the way. And then April time, when everything's a bit dead, we'll have a big event, maybe a stadium fight, and we'll make a stack load of money. Because, you know, both of our belts will be fought for by people who are of interests. I mean, in terms of social media, you've got Brown and Briggs, who will really entertain. Like, the build-up to that will be incredible. Then you've got, you know, Joshua versus Klitschko, you know, the battle of the, the brands, essentially, the AJ brand versus the K2 brand, you know, and then lurking in the shadows at all times as David hey So the WBA did the right thing, I thought. And if Eddie Hearn had said to us, listen, guys, I'm going to try and make this Klitschko fight. It's a bit soon. I'd rather do it next year and instead let have, give Joshua a stay-busy fight. If he had set our expectations like that, we'd be okay. But he was telling us it was close, it was close. But you're hearing from sources that, it's nowhere near close because Vladimir knows what he wants.
1: Uh, and what happened to David Hay, who said, uh, "I'm going to announce my fight. You're going to be impressed." So,
0: so David was in Germany. Um, you know, he tweeted the picture of being from Munich. Then you look and go, "What heavyweights are there in Munich?" And then there's a guy called Marcus Wallish or Martin Wallish. You never know his first name, but he's Timarius. a Munich. Ah, it's a yeah. So he's a Munich-based heavyweight. because that fight happened, I'm sure there were discussions about it. But you're David Hay saying. I'm locked into a world title shot. Why am I going to take a needless risk? Why don't I just go and beat up on Tony Bellew and get my two million quid? I'm happy with that. You know, Bellew gets his payday, I get my payday, and I can go and fight either Park or Ruiz for, for, for the belt I deserve, and then I can start talking crazy. You know, David, of all the guys, is in the perfect position now because he's managed to get a world title shot having beaten Demori and the the fake Cobra.
2: Let's rewind the timeline. Like, take it back to... Um, prior to Dominic Briazil and you had Eddie Hearn do an IFL interview where he was talking about Eric Molina being a possibility and you can find it is quite readily available. <laughs> he laughs off... Uh, it doesn't laugh off, but he talks about Dominic Briazil being a bigger test than Eric Molina um, and so they dismissed Eric Molina as being an option for Anthony Joshua. That's going back, what, six months, say, in the build-up to the Dominic Brazil fight. We saw what happened to Dominic Brazil. He got fucking run over um, by Joshua. Without any... You know, there was no return. It was just one-way traffic. And now we're getting Eric Molina sold to us as being a legitimate threat. This is the same Eric... Eric Molina, in that six months, hasn't become a superstar of world boxing. He's not achieved anything... And yet Sky, and I'm going to go back to my favourite person, Spencer Feeran, they're trying to sell the narrative that Eric Molina is a legitimate fight. Now, go back six months. There's a great clip somebody's put together where they're talking about Eric Molina just isn't a worthwhile contender for Anthony Joshua. And they were right. And now they're trying to sell us that he is. Similar to Terry, that Klitschko fight was never, ever, ever on the table for December the 10th. It just, it wasn't. Because when you go back and look at Fury was meant to be fighting Klitschko, Eddie talked quite disparagingly about Frank Warren and the uh chances of Fury versus Klitschko coming off and he said about um it didn't financially add up to be able to get Vladimir Klitschko over uh to fight at the M E N, which is where Fury was gonna be fighting him. So he was saying, you know, the the it doesn't add up statistically, financially to be able to make that work. And he was right. You know, the whole thing fell apart. So why then would it have made sense for Joshua and Klitschko to go at the MEN in December? It it never would have made sense whatsoever. And it's just, it's so horrible. And the fact that if anybody, if you bought a ticket to this, press stop on your fucking phone now, whatever you're listening on. Turn it off. If you're buying the pay-per-view, as Terry said, it's ridiculous. When you started seeing a fortnight ago that Dillian White, Derek Chisora, which was originally pencilled in to headline the Wembley Arena show coming up, when you see that that was getting shifted onto December the 10th rather than November, you knew there was a problem. You knew it wasn't going to be Klitschko because that's too big a fight to be on the... You know how the Hearn business model works. He said it himself. This undercard is so big in terms of like he he's perceiving it to be big because the main event is terrible and so you've got Burton Buglione you've got the return of Scott Quigg you've got Chisora White Um, there's some money being put into it not huge amounts but he can spend some money on that because the revenue stream is coming through the pay-per-view and because they're not paying Molina very much you would suspect or It's certainly not in the same ballpark as what they were going to be paying Klitschko. So when you saw White versus Chisora get shifted onto December the tenth, you knew it was going to be an awful opponent because he's investing in the undercard at that point. It's like he's got little giveaways, and it's just it's so bad. And the the undercard isn't even that great. It's good, but you would reasonably expect. <laughs> Let's not forget White versus Chisora is a British title fight. It's no more than that. Yes, they make they made it into a WBC eliminator. It's not a final eliminator. There'll be a final eliminator after this. So the fact is that it's a British title fight. That's all it is. So like they can build it up and they're doing the gloves are off for it and they're building all the hype around it. It's a British title fight. I know how much money has been spent on that fight. It's a reasonable figure. Um but Hearn is then saying, look, if I don't do this on pay-per-view, we'll lose two million quid, is his ballpark figure. He said, I'm not a philanthropist. I can't go about just doing these
0: things. <sighs> I have a theory on this. I think, and I'll get pulled up, I think Josh was on a guarantee. So I think...
1: Exa- what does that mean?
0: So <laughs> He's going to get sucked off by Eddie later. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I genuinely think they have to pay Anthony Joshua a set amount of money per fight, a minimum amount, and I'm sure he gets incentives based on how the, the whole thing performs. Because if we go back, let's look at it. Anthony Josh has been the most valuable commodity in boxing since he won in twenty twelve. So you imagine every promoter that spoke to him and mm. he's being run by Wasserman. Let, let, let's be absolutely clear about this. Whenever you hear the people like uh oh, it's Charlie Sims or he's managed by the Sims family, he's run by Wasserman because Sims works for them. So they're not going to let Anthony Joshua be on a, a standard heavyweights contract like maybe a Huey Fury. He's not gonna be on that. What he's gonna be on is a very lucrative contract because as his management team, they want their ten percent or fifteen percent to be huge. So I would like to see Joshua's contract because I'm more than confident he has to earn a minimum amount. Like maybe after after the third year he has to earn a minimum amount that puts pressure on Eddie Hearn to make these sorts of cards and you know hand on heart this is a 17 fight guy you know Joshua's fought in his whole life Anthony Joshua's fought about 45 times so he's a relative novice you wouldn't want you know a relative novice carrying the load that he is now but the fact is he's a world champion and he still hasn't legitimized the belt and Molina's not the man to legitimize that belt so we can't acknowledge him as a champion because he hasn't beaten a champion, really, has he? Because Charles Martin had that thing handed to him. I haven't, I haven't even seen Joshua do the right thing and say, let me fight Glasgow just to, you know, just to do the right tie thing. Tie the ends up. Yeah, he hasn't. He's gone for Melina. But then I also look at it and go, Melina's probably the same class as White and Chisora. We're not happy paying to watch Melina. So why are we happy to pay, you know, for White and Chisora? That's not a fight we should be paying to watch.
2: No, th- I mean, that goes back to what's- getting with that, is that is a good headline of a Saturday night fight night on Sky. White versus Chisora. That's what it is. It's not a pay-per-view fight. It doesn't make this a pay-per-view card. Bert and Buglioni, that wouldn't even headline a Saturday night fight night card now. Like on Sky, that wouldn't... It would be a very good main support, but it wouldn't headline it. Not When some of the Saturday night fight nights have been Anthony Crawler, Jorge Linares... There was Tony Bellew, uh, BJ Floyd, world title fights. Burton versus Buglioni would comfortably sit at the top of the support of that. It doesn't justify its own show. White versus Chisora would justify its own show. There's enough hype about it, Um, and I'm comfortable with that. But to build this entire pay-per-view card around the undercard, and the undercard isn't really that good, is absolutely disgusting. I'm fu- fuming about it, like absolutely dreadful.
1: Um, just get your and I have asked versions of this um question before. I suspect, but just because it's as much for me as as for the listener, are we destined to be chasing around these big fights forevermore until he's too old to fight anyone of any significance, and then he gets maybe beaten up as an old man? You know, Klitschko retires
0: before he fights Joshua. Are we we never going to get these fights? I think the the question should be directed to Anthony Joshua and it should be made. Are you about the money or the greatness? Because if you're about the greatness, you should be saying to Eddie, I want to fight Deontay Wilder, I want to fight Hayden, I want to fight Fury in 2017. Just clean up the division, yeah? Because I don't know if he can and I don't know if he can't. What I do know is he's in a position to make it happen. It could have happened now. Let's be honest. There was a contract agreed between Vladimir Klitschko and Anthony Joshua. Whether it was signed is irrelevant. There was a contract that was agreed, just like there was for Eubank Jr. and Golovkin. What did he do in that situation? He just ran Kell Brook. Eddie Hearn could have rung David Hay and said, Mate, can you do this fight for the same terms? Would it have done the same numbers on pay-per-view? Absolutely. Would it have sold out the Manchester... Absolutely. And it would have been a British dust-up that made perfect sense. And David would have taken the fight. But what they realize is, and people don't discuss this. I'm not going to say names. There's a heavyweight champion up north that's getting knocked out in sparring. He's getting knocked out in sparring by amateurs. I don't know who it is, but he's getting knocked out. And this is why they're hesitant to put him in with someone who can punch and box. So don't expect that to happen anytime soon until they cure the chin issues. Because if you knew who was doing it, you'd be like, what's the world coming to?
2: Yep. Um, and can not just...
0: Eddie promised us this week
2: that he did like a long sit-down, almost Parkinson-esque uh, interview with Coogan Cassius. And I watched some of it. I couldn't watch all of it. It was far too much bullshittery. And he... He trips over his own backstory so often that it's becoming like... I used to find it quite amusing and now I find that I actually genuinely like dislike him. I find him quite odious. But one of the things that I took out of it was that he was talking about uh, Joshua versus Klitschko will happen next. His words, like verbatim, Joshua Klitschko will happen next as part of this WBA situation. Now... He's fighting December the 10th. Like, they're going to want him out three to four times in a year. You know, they're probably going to aim three. I'm going to query... Like, I want you to mark that in your diary or whatever. When Hearn comes out with the next fight after Andy Joshua, because he was talking, don't forget about it, They're looking to hopefully announce it on December the 10th. Like, once he'd left Molina sparked out on the canvas, they're talking about being able to announce it then. I don't see it happening because... He's said all along that this is a stadium fight, Joshua Klitschko is a stadium fight. Can you realistically see them leaving Anthony Joshua out of the ring and not getting that income stream through until a stadium fight would have to be June, July time next year because of the football season, you know, the playoffs will be coming up, Wembley will be getting used for those uh, you know, middle of next year. Um, there'll be England match, I'm sure. I don't know the schedule for Wembley, but when you're talking stadium fight, it's either got to be there or Old Trafford. Realistically, um, both of those aren't going to be freed up until what July, around that time somewhere. Um, that's when Frotch grows, wasn't it? At back end of June, uh, uh, last weekend of June. <laughs> so. Essentially, that's what I'm trying to get to, is that Eddie Hearn says this is the next fight for Joshua. I don't believe it at all, because that means leaving Joshua out until at least middle of June next year. I can't believe Hearn does that, because he said it himself that it's going to be a stadium fight. I don't see, unless you're talking Cardiff with the roof on, that's the only other option. Um, I do not see how it happens next year. But
0: more importantly, if the WBA have sanctioned it, why don't they sign the fight now? Why doesn't Eddie say the fight's been signed? Remember, all terms have been agreed. Best endeavours to get the WBA title involved. That's done now. Sign the contract. The reason they haven't signed the contract is simple. Once Klitschko fights for that WBA belt, it's likely he'd have to fight someone like a Shannon Briggs. Which would be problematic anyway. So there's a lot of negotiation that would have to happen. And look, here's the reason why Klitschko wanted the WBA belt. He is confident he will knock Joshua out. So what his, his his thing is, let me find the easiest route to get all of my belts back. So what's the point in fighting three or four people to get belts back? where you could maybe have two, two fights and you're back to where you were before. So... Klitschko's confident about this But he's there going I want to knock this guy out And I want to get paid well for it And Eddie Hearn And let's be clear about this Eddie Hearn is the junior partner In this negotiation The reason he is Is Klitschko is the least Threatening fighter Of the options he has Because if you don't fight Klitschko You're then looking at Wilder You're looking at Hay And you're looking at Fury All guys who will knock Joshua out And expect Klitschko to play hardball and expect him to get the majority of the purse if the fight does happen it definitely won't happen in April.
1: Okay, so we've, we've touched on a lot of a lot of areas there the heavyweight division, but just to clear things up, what is Klitschko's plan for 2017 ideally? What is he what, what you know, what would you be thinking if you were Klitschko now, what's your
0: route? Fight Joshua, I would be WBA. Well, as soon as look,
1: that's what he wants.
0: Yeah, that's what that's what he wants. For the WBA, right. And the IBF. And then, if it's Hay with the WBO, fight him for that. If it's not, fight whoever has a WBO belt. And then you're only really looking at a final fight with Wilder, sign up the game. If you win that, you leave with all the belts. And once again, we're back to where we started. So Fury would have won in vain because we'd be right back to where we started with one guy having all the belts. And to be honest... It was easier back then because we had such low expectations, but we had a logic behind having low expectations. Now we're just getting shafted because they keep selling us this dream that the big heavyweight fights will happen and they fucking won't.
1: Alright, so and Hey, what's Hay's plan for twenty
0: seventeen? Chill out, beat Joseph Parker, um call out Joshua for a unification, get avoided by Joshua, call out Wilder for a unification, get avoided by Wilder, and end up fighting Shannon Briggs.
1: Where does he get his WBO from? What fuck would that be? What fuck would that be? The
0: winner of Parker versus Andy Ruiz Jr. Right. So, so I think Frank Warren lobbied for him to be on that WBO list. Uh, You know, we discussed the the whole WBO conference last time. So Mm -hmm. basically, it's a fuckload of horse trading. So it's it's right. Let David fight next. Then David will fight someone on the WBO list. Maybe Wallish. Maybe Thomas Schwartz. It doesn't matter. He'll fight someone on that list to give that guy some income as well. Then that promoter's happy and so forth. It's all horse trading. But ultimately what David wants is to win the WBO and legitimise it by unifying it because then he's a unified heavyweight and cruiserweight champion, walks into the Hall of Fame.
1: Um, is there a scenario where Klitschko, if he can, avoids Joshua altogether and we never see the fight come to fruition?
0: If, nah,
2: if that happens, that's financially happening. Right. Like, as Terry said earlier, there are very, very, not even rumours, but stories, um, strong stories of Joshua uh, being put on his arse and more inspiring by amateurs. The easy scenario now for Hearn is to avoid Klitschko until Klitschko calls it a day. Like, I can see that reasonably happening. So all you've got to do is say, we want 50-50 purse, you know, and you can paint that as we're being generous there. Like, we've got a title. The WBA title isn't held by anyone, but we've got a title, so we want 50-50. Klitschko probably isn't going to accept that. Um, I can see a very realistic scenario whereby Hearn avoids Klitschko. Avoids everyone. Like
1: <laughs> So, so the, the, the point I'm getting round to is, so therefore, the biggest British title fight we've got to look forward to, potentially in 2017, would be, hey, Klitschko
0: again. Is that right? Joshua G- Joshua <laughs> White 2. That, that's where all this is headed. Great. <laughs> this is headed for Joshua White 2. That's been on the cards a long time. They, 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 Since they,
2: the second uh, meeting.
0: Yeah, they, 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 this is where it's going. The Decider. That will be the name of the event. The Decider. Or Winner Takes Bad All. Bad blood. It's just... But look, there are people listening to this getting excited about going up to Manchester to watch this fight. Shame on you. mm <laughs> You know, (laughs) if you buy the pay-per-view, shame on you. And all you guys who are not tweeting Eddie Hearn saying, Eddie, this is garbage. I'm not paying for it. And stop lying about the pay-per-view numbers.
2: I still tweet him that. I've been blocked by him. (laughs) He doesn't even see that. I still go to the effort.
0: (laughs) But look, what's this guy's customer base? 11 million? He expects me to believe that of that 11 million, 400,000 are paying their money to watch Anthony Joshua. You know, because no one sits there with their mate's house. You don't have four or five guys in the house watching it. You don't have half half the Sky subscribers just streaming it via Facebook. You know, this is what I don't like, the lies. If Eddie Hearn is so confident about how much Anthony Joshua sells, put the numbers out.
2: Yeah. If the numbers were that good as he protests they are, we would see them published down to the, you know, the decimal place. Instead of like a vague, oh, you know, it's around about three to four hundred thousand you know that number and you don't tell people that yeah. number for the reason that it would ruin the... You, know, you could say it's a million people buy it. It makes Joshua look even bigger and then more people come in like, you know, oh, a million people are watching it and I haven't, I'm missing out. Like, oh, I'm going to come in.
0: But think about what that's saying to people. That's basically saying Anthony Joshua outsells Canelo. Canelo boxes in the market five times the size of the UK plus Mexico, which is three times the size of the UK as a boxing market. And you're telling me Joshua generates more revenue than Canelo. I find that incredibly hard to believe.
2: Yeah, even against Liam Smith, I'd imagine Canelo did better.
0: Liam Smith got paid more than any of Joshua's opponents, apart from Charles Martin, where Eddie admits he had to throw the six million quid.
1: Sweet Caroline. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm not upset with your listener. I think if you want to go up to Manchester and flush your mind down the toilet, you'll Quite welcome to Andy'll
2: meet you there. <laughs> yeah.
1: And I'll uh ha- lot time on his hands now. I'll be handing out the sweet Caroline singing sheets. <laughs> um Right, okay, a quick question that ties in kind of what we're talking about, uh, which was from Senor Tasty.
0: Senor Tasty <laughs>
1: Um He asks, Does Ortiz
0: have a version of the WBA
1: because he was a WBA regular title holder, no, right? I oh, yeah, was into so, Which
0: is now Manuel Cha, so that's the answer to his question.
1: Right, well, so he doesn't have one does anymore. he has nothing. Right.
0: So Manuel Cha, without having to fight anybody, <laughs> is WBA interim champion. Well done. And yes. I love this. Manuel Cha's Well like, done,
2: Manuel. Yeah. Like, yeah. Let's give him a standing ovation. Well done.
0: Not only that, but his response to that was, I might defend it in January. I might not. But I can tell you something. I will not be leaving Germany to defend it.
2: And I was like... How exciting. Do you know what, right? This is another thing where the WBA create the rod for their own back. This whole tournament that they started off with what a year ago where you know there's Klitschko versus Fury, there was Ortiz versus somebody, there was Freza Quendo got the bye, there was uh Lucas Brown versus somebody else. Um uh the guy beat Chagayev.
0: Ustinov.
2: Ustinov was it? Uh yeah, whoever it was, is it's irrelevant because the whole thing's full to shit. The idea of that tournament was you build a tournament so that you get rid of the three belts. So you had the interim, the regular, and the super. So the idea of that tournament was that you have one winner at the end of it, and then you just have the WBA world champion. Call them what you want, but they hold the belts, and then you discard the other two belts. So that's what um Mauricio Solomon of the WBA came out with after his old man died, Um to say, you know, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're we're sorting the problem that we've solved or we've caused ourselves. So they make that tournament. Lucas Brown wins, then gets stripped because <laughs> of uh, having the drug test failure. Luis Ortiz gets rid of the belt, just drops it because it's made up and it's rubbish. Tyson Fury beats Klitschko and then vacates the belt. So right now, as it stands, you have three belts that. I mean, within the last month, if you include Ortiz dropping the interim, they've all been vacant. So this tournament has fallen to pieces. The tournament's a shambles. You have a situation where your aim, your intention is to clean up all of the belts. You just have a single belt holder. All three of them were vacant at the same time, pretty much. Why would you not just, like, throw those belts out? Like, what's the point? Yes, exactly. But what is the point? Like, if you've stated publicly your aim. So now, this whole mandation of Klitschko versus Fury, they've mandated it for the super title. Now, by the WBA's own rules, you start off as a regular champion, and then once you make X number of defenses, three or four or five, you become their super champion. So, they're circumventing their own rules in that sense, that they're just gonna make the winner of that fight, if it ever happens, the WBA Super Champion. Lucas Brown, Shannon Briggs goes in for the regular title, and then you've got Manuel Cha. So, you've filled those three vacancies <laughs> in a situation where your own tournament has fallen apart and isn't taking place anymore because of legal squabblings, people, you know, retiring, vacating, whatever. It's honestly the biggest mess that that organisation is a shambles. The sooner Maricho Solomon joins his old man in the grave, like the better, frankly, because <laughs> it's a joke.
1: All oh, right, so just about—is there anyone we haven't offended in any horrific way? Because we'll find someone.
0: Yeah, because this is this we is this is actually pretty serious. Because what we wanted for ages was the belts freed up. Now what we really want are the belts consolidated again. I want one guy to have all the belts. we sorry. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I didn't realise what Vladimir Klitschko was don't doing.
2: Don't it always seem to go that you don't know what you've got till it's gone.
0: I promise you that will never happen again. Martin, please don't sing on the podcast. Uh, wait, 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 wait. Someone played in the band on Tuesday and we heard the music and we heard no vocals. <laughs> Yeah. That was that was the recording equipment, mate. Really? That was,
2: to be fair, that really? was the, uh, the the amps and whatever. You <laughs> yeah, think. yeah. There was
0: a lot of overdrive it, and distortion. It didn't favour Andy. No. <laughs> what, what? I mean, I think they're freezing you out already, mate. <laughs> yeah. Slowly, yeah. <laughs> no sound check. Yeah, like, yeah. Guys, can I sound check? Nah, no, no, you're no point, all right, mate. We, We've done it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, right. On to a question to diffuse this hatred. JFB Promotions asks. The top five under 10 prospects. Uh, sorry, under 10 fight prospects. Um, what's your thoughts on this? I'm assuming that spans across the weight divisions. Any fighter that you think is going to be a top prospect at less than 10
0: points? For me, one to four is really, really easy. Ooh, okay. Um. Andrew Selby, number one, just because he's closest to a world title. So, Andrew Selby, number one. Um, Josh Taylor, number two, because he's next in line for a world title. And then just to make JFB happy, but to be honest, I am being as objective as I can. I'd put Jake Ball at three because I I see Eddie Hearn's eyes glint whenever he talks about Jake Ball. So expect a big push for Jake Ball. Um, i put number four, Anthony Yard, because, you know, we haven't seen any form of weakness in him. Still yet to be tested, but everything he's done so far, Has looked really, really good. Looked impressive. You know, well-received in America on the Canelo undercard. So the one to four is really, really easy. I have to cheat on the fifth one because this guy's non-televised. So I'm going to put Nathan Gorman at number five because you need a heavyweight in there. And Gorman looks really, really good in terms of, you know, he's got that hat and left hook because he trains with Ricky Hatton. So he's got the hat and left hook down to an art. And I guess when he brings up the rest of his arsenal, he'll be an absolute killer.
2: If he trims up a little bit as well. Yeah. He, uh...
0: You know, he, has, he hasn't he hasn't got the spreadsheet yet, but all, <laughs> all, all in good time. All in good time. But look, that's not... Look, I could also touch on, and it's a bit unfair because there are a lot of guys on the small hall circuit yeah. who also deserve some shine. So guys like Raheem Noble, you know, those sorts of guys, you know, even, even the guys like Sammy Cantwell who are trying to work their way up. All these guys are also good prospects. It's just that if you don't go to the shows, if you're not Karina Hercock, you don't quite get to see these guys. But someone like a Raheem Noble, you'd expect to see on a Card sooner rather than later.
1: I want to touch on uh, the activities. Can I chuck I mean... a few
2: names in there? Fucking bastard. All right, sorry, go ahead. Unbelievable. No, nah, uh, I agree with Terry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean to be fair I do agree with the majority of Terry's ones entirely. Um a few of the small hall guys like young
0: blokes. Jose Lopez, sorry. I Jose Lopez, yeah.
2: great prospect. Um Spiros Dimitriou, light heavyweight, he's looked uh, looked very good. Um he can whack as well. I don't know if you've seen him, Terry. Um Corn Road, he's very squat, very muscular. Um, quite like Anthony Yard as well
0: yeah um
2: he's he's a big old boy he can whack um Linus so, so, so
0: he's got so he has got the the Microsoft Excel package. I'd
2: imagine his spreadsheet skills are particularly refined um there's Linus Yudofia a big fan of Linus uh for last weekend Danny you're cool. um very very good prospect. Yeah.
0: Love him. Combination punching. Yes. For you boxing fans, if you don't love combination punching, you don't love boxing. And Linus Adolphia, in terms of combination punching, pretty bang on.
2: Yeah. Um and he's also he's wise. Like given he's got a very good amateur background as well, actually. he's very wise in the ring. Like he spends those first two rounds just, you know, working out his opponent. And so he's happy to like you know, take it on the ropes. He's a very good counter-puncher. He'll sit back and he'll work out what his opponent does and then he'll come out and he'll put the combinations, as Terry says, together. Got his first stoppage last weekend. Um, Brad Pauls, Very good young prospect trains uh, with Linus and they all train at uh, Club KO, is it? Um, with Terry Stewart. So it's the same place. that You've got Jake Ball training down. James Gale trains there. Uh, um, Terry Stewart's involved with all of them then you've got um, Jim McDonald is down there so they're in a very good environment Like I think for a boxer when you're in a very good environment like that people pushing you on the likes they get in there you know Yudofus and Brad Paul's actually both looking at probably middleweight um, maybe up or down one division from that but certainly around the middleweight so you're getting in the ring with a light heavyweight of the talent of Jake Ball that can only do you good things um, you know spar countless rounds of likes of Gale as well those lessons for a young prospect are f- just phenomenal. Um, so yeah, there are a few of them that, uh, that i would throw out there. Um,
0: Can I throw some zero bouters in that I think people should get excited about? So there's a lad called Danny Dignam. Um, you know, Essex lad, trains out of the matchroom gym at the moment. He went over to rear with the GB squad to spar. He'd been a member of the GB squad for a couple of years. I think he's a brother of John Dignam as well. Um, So he boxed in the amateurs at 81. I remember watching him going, I quite like how this guy boxes. He was quite an attacking Southpaw, which is rare. So he will probably, he looks like he'll box at middleweight. He's a little bit too short to box at light heavy like he did in the amateurs. So he'll probably box at middle, move up to super mid, looks the part. Um absolutely I mean I'm I'm excited about watching him. Um Umar Sadiq, who'll be training with Brian Shaughnessy, you know, out with the rest of the East End guys, out of West Ham. Class, you know, fight at like heavyweight, he's big. He's like Jake Ball. He's just big and he's long and he's lean. And you know, there's something about this country and eighty one kilogram amateurs that we just seem to produce quality after quality after quality. Look, Craig Richards was an eighty one. Joshua Bartzi was an 81. Um, Umar Sadiq, 81. Danny Dignam, 81. Jake Ball was an 81. You know, you can name all the great 81 kilo fighters that have come out of the last three or four years. So that's a golden era. And then another guy, this is a bit closer to me because I quite like the guy, Charlie Wynn. So Charlie Wynn boxed for the Fisher as an amateur, came out the Londons in terms of the amateurs, was just unlucky to get a rib injury so couldn't carry on in the ABAs. Very old school fighter. I like the guy. Like he boxes like a guy at the late 50s, early 60s, which always gets me excited as people who listen to the podcast know. Um, from Bermondsey. So he's got that Millwall crowd behind him. You know, he's got that same thing Ted Cheeseman has. But he look, when you look, Google Charlie Wynn if you can or find him on Facebook. The guy just looks like he should be a boxer. You know, he looks like that sort of guy, like a Georgie Keene. You know, those guys who've got that look that Women would women would go down and go, "Oh isn't he lovely and all that sort of stuff. So no no, so there's a few guys to get behind. I don't this, probably next year's the time you'll see them build momentum, but uh, no, the scene is healthy. Support it. Fuck her
2: <laughs> but always use protection. Let's talk about
1: <laughs> York Hall. Let's give us the lowdown on the events upcoming at uh, Boxing's
2: Heartland. Yeah, alright, so, I'm down there next Saturday, um, for Goodwin Promotion Show. Now, this is probably, like, if you've got a free Saturday night next week and you're anywhere near London, get down there, right? This is a, a quality show. Like, this is TV quality. Like, this, this is a good outfit. It's so a headliner. You've got former footballer Leon McKenzie in his 10th fight, fighting for the English super middleweight title against Jarmaine Smile. Uh it's a tough fight that it's a good fight. Mackenzie, like he's still got this tag on him of I've just used it, former footballer. Um but he wants to convince people, look, he can fight and he can fight as well. Like, trust me, I know the man can fight.
0: Why is he ducking Darryl Williams?
2: I don't know how you're ducking somebody when you're going for the English and he's got something there, but yeah. Uh there's there's some background there. Maybe that's a potential fight. If he gets at that English, that's a potential fight we want to see. Um, main support, you've got Duke Mika, Ghanaian Wrecking Ball, uh, Bantamweight fighting Matthew Chander undefeated. Um, Matthew Chander is a workhorse. It's a, a Commonwealth title fight down at York Hall. Like, that's a big deal for the small hall promoters to get these titles available and out. Um, Duke Mika is part of the Mickey and Moo, Richard Commie set-up. So big up to them, Um, doing great stuff. Yeah, doing great stuff, building up the Ghanaian scene. They're looking at doing a show out in Ghana next year. I'm quite aware of. Um, There's they're looking at the presidency stuff over in Ghana. Um, But yeah, there's a potential something will happen over there next year. So you've got um, Duke Mika, who is what is he? He's 18 and 0, 17 knockouts, like. That's an impressive record, irrespective of where all those fights have been. So he's coming over, taking on Matthew Chander. Matthew Chander's a workhorse of a fighter. Uh, he can't punch particularly hard, and I think that's where he's going to come unstuck on Saturday night. Um, but he will just constantly close that gap, get into your face, work the space. So it'll be interesting what Duke Meeker does with that. Um, and then you've got Freddie Kiewit, who, again, is a animal of a fighter. Uh, he's an English title eliminator. Ah, and his opponent's name escapes me. It's Dub- Ennis. Ennis. Uh, not Jessica, Ennis. Um, <laughs> somebody Ennis. Ah, uh, it's going to annoy me now. But Freddie Kewitt is again a huge prospect. Like, that's one that we could have thrown in earlier. Um, the English title eliminator. So you've got three quality fights at the top of that. And there's a, a decent sized undercard. So, in all seriousness, we talk about the £17 or whatever to pay for pay per view. For twice that amount of money, if you're considering paying 17 pound for that, go and watch some small hall boxing. Go and watch that on Saturday night. I think it's almost sold out already. So try and get hold of some tickets for it, but it is an event to go to. Like, not all small hall shows are great. Not all small hall shows are good. Like, it depends on the talent. But that is a talented lineup Saturday night. So get yourself there, enjoy it. York Hall, you can't fail to have a good time at. You know, especially if it's your first time, like the the experience of being there and seeing boxing in that environment is special. That Saturday night show will be special. It'll be good.
0: Yeah. And the noise York Hall makes, honestly, it's, it's a better venue in terms of the noise than the O2 it is absolutely insane there's something about the way it's designed and I don't think it was deliberate but the noise just seems to stay in there you've got I think Mackenzie has sold
2: I think he's chatting the other day about 500 tickets himself for this fight so that'll be half of York Hall filled with Leon McKenzie fans for that fight he's a bit of an underdog going in so just to add to it man it's going to be a a special evening special occasion I'm looking forward to it get yourself down there give us a tweet I'll come find you somewhere
1: Okay, um, do you have any more to add to the agenda, Sir
0: No, just, look, we, we've covered the things that have been paining me. You know, I do want to say massive shout out to to Derek Chisora for the for the leaked footage because nothing made me happier in the Boxing Week than Derek Chisora, basically throwing Dillian off his game. So if you if you track what Dillian does, Dillian likes to be the guy who's in control of the situation verbally. So he likes to know that he's got you. And I enjoyed it because what Derek did is Derek just flipped it on him. And he did it in that way that and and this is this is why I touched on this. If you listen to the footage, listen to how quickly Dillian's Jamaican accent disappears, yeah? If you, if you really are keen, he goes from nah, you're an idiot, you're an idiot, too. get off me, get off me now, and and I thought it was a security guard at first, so I kept listening over and over again, because there's, there's a thing in psychology that says, when you get into that kind of fight or flight, you become who you really are, and if you notice, like, you listen to it again, listen to how Derek's like, I mean, I'll put it on you now, pussy, his exact words, I'll put it on you now, and Derek was really calm in that situation and Dillian lost it. Derek's been there before. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and it was interesting because a lot of people are saying at the head-to-head, they thought Sora had lost the psychological battle. But you watch that video and you go, this fight might not be a walkover. And that's not me saying Dillian's going to lose because I know I got a hard time for it last. Night. I think it's a competitive fight. So Dillian I. has a chance.
1: I like. I I'd, I'd love to see Chisora win personally.
0: I don't like. I'd like to see him have a bit of a an Indian summer to his career you because, know, it's, because it's, Derek Chisora. Let's let let's be absolutely clear about this. In a world where Charles Martin, <laughs> Ivan Glasgow for yeah. a world title. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's tragic. Derek it is, Zasora
0: didn't get a world title. Yeah. And I don't understand how that works. The boxing gods were unfair on him because he only loses to the best. I'm going to take Pulev out of it because Pulev's okay, not spectacular, but it was a closer fight than people say. He, he loses to people who go on to do great things. And just...
2: If Eddie Hearn was around 10 years ago and gave the backing to Derek
0: Chisora, he'd be a multi-time,
2: multi-time multiple world champion.
0: I agree. I, I think I think boxing history will be kinder to Chisora than we are. Um, I hope December 10th he makes it a competitive fight. I'm going to sit on the fence. What I didn't like was Spencer Fearon sticking his nose in again. Now, who are you? Are you the guy on Sky TV? Or are you Spencer Fearon the guy on road, as he likes to say? Who are you? Because when you're on ifl and you're representing sky and they have a pay-per-view card and you're entertaining this idea that you saw a nyambati and all of these things which aren't very professional and and so I've spoken to people within sky and there've been moves to get rid of him please you know there've been moves to get rid of him but the thing is no one wants to do it for the money that they're offering it's not it's inconvenient if you if you're anyone in boxing and you've got a bit of a few quid in your pocket, you're not going to traipse over to Osterley or wherever it is. you Isleworth, know worth, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Isleworth. You're going to traipse over there for for the money they're offering. But he will because it's the only way he stays relevant. I have nothing against Spencer personally. Yeah, I mean, when you meet him in person, he's a really, really good guy. But I, if it was me, I'd be counselling him against taking sides in these sorts of situations. No, if you've got something personal against Derek, then be honest and say it. But don't make fun of boxers, man. Like, like, it's a card you're trying to get people excited about. So um, I was disappointed by that.
2: Yeah. No, I agree. I think Fearon at times, um, yeah, no, i speak about it quite openly. He is a nice bloke. I have nothing personal against Spencer Fearon, but as a sky pundit, I think he's atrocious. Um, it, it was the fight with Biola Kudos and Carl Wheeler Myers. A small hall fight, big event for those two. And Spencer Fearon did an IFL interview. Um, calling Carl Myers a bum calling him like awful all this stuff like you're meant to be an impartial pundit you're meant to you call yourself the knowledge what was even more amusing is that Carl Myers then stopped Biola Kudos uh, making Spencer Fearon's prediction look about as good as his Brooke beats Golovkin one
0: or his Clarissa Shields beats Conor McGregor oh what such an absolute
2: atrocious as I say nice enough bloke personally but Cannot do that job to save his life. Nobody else wants to do it, as Terry says. Sack him.
0: And in a side matter, actually, I didn't realise Biola Kudis had retired. Wow. Yeah. So, just for boxing fans, just, just to understand how real this sport is, Biola hadn't realised his medical had run out. So he had to go through the whole process, brain scans, full physical, which all cost money because you have to you have to have that either done on the NHS, which takes forever, or you get it done privately, which is a hell of a lot of money. And he's, I think he's 30 years old now. You know, he's been a teaching assistant for a while. And he had to face that question of, am I making enough money from the sport to justify spending that sort of money getting a medical? And he made the decision of, no, it's not worth it at this point in my life. I could be making far more money doing other things. Same conclusion Tyler Goodjohn came to. And I think what we're beginning to realize now, you know, a lot of these boxers are realising it's not worth it. Like, it's fun for a year or two to box and you're, you're in your Hall, and maybe you get on TV and stuff. But there comes a point where you have to ask yourself, can I make a living doing this? And can I make a good living doing this? And can I provide for my family? And I think a lot of boxers are starting to realise you can't. So when fans call these guys bums, what you need to understand is some of these guys are working two or three additional jobs on top of training Danny Connor.
2: Danny Connor runs three jobs It's a guy who's signed with MGM a guy who like people assume is probably fairly big time in that sense he's been on TV he's working three jobs outside of his boxing like the sacrifices that man is making because he's still got that dream that he can make it to the next level and become established fair play um, to anyone that's doing it and yeah as Terry says that, that struggle that sacrifice
0: it's it, unseen like people don't see it, so when you see a guy and he's a bit flabby, and like why didn't he make weight? He's a professional. Life gets in the way, you know. And I'm not
2: letting Frankie Gavin off
0: that. By the way, well, no, but Frankie Gavin has no job. He'll have one. Well, rest assured, but in the new year, he'll have one. <laughs> it won't you be what a I mean? match room. <laughs> Whatever, Randall Monroe quit. I think expect to see <laughs> Frankie binge. Gavin do it. Yeah, that'll be Frankie Gavin.
1: Okay, um, we don't have any more questions. And I think
0: Shame on you, listeners. Where are the questions? We're two weeks.
1: Well, we did, we did yeah. We were off last week, so well, I'm inclined to forgive people, but these two won't forgive you. No. Uh, right, we're going to drop Argue the Inarguable this week, because I'm sure you're happy. You two are happy. Because, yeah. given what we've gone through this week, what I'd kind of like to do is substitute it for something.
0: No. Oh, fuck.
1: No, no, no. What I want you to do is, because we've been so negative, just give us, uh, independent of each other... Two fights, two big sort of like uh, mainstream television fights that either are happening or you think are probable to happen next year that fans can genuinely get excited about. Groves to Gale, two. Uh,
2: my first one would be Keith Thurman Danny Garcia. It's a fight we wanted to see for ages. It's signed off to happen next year. Uh, part of the big is it Showtime. I think have rolled out their schedule. It's a great fight. Um, Two guys that have they've they fought their way to world titles and now they're raising their challenges as they get as they hold those titles they're now being challenged similar to Anthony Joshua in a way um, just slightly more under the radar so I think Thurman Garcia is a good fight um, DeGale Jack is one we haven't touched on but it's a unification super middleweight unification probably going to happen out in Vegas uh, is it January I think it's signed off for. Again, really good fight. And then, you know, the the outcome of that is probably going to involve George Groves in some way. Um, Frampton Santa Cruz too. That's happening next year as well. Like, great fight again. Um, did we want the rematch? It makes sense for Carl. He'll make a lot of money out of it. He won the first one. Not a canter bunny. And not even easily. But it was a good fight. A really good fight. So that's three fights. To put a negative spin on it, because I like doing that, <laughs> none of them are over here. All of them will probably end up on Sky. Hearn can start justifying to boxing fans what you're paying your Sky subscription for is quality boxing. Look, we've uh, got DeGale, Jack. We've got Thurman Garcia. We've
0: got Frampton Santa Cruz. What's interesting is they're all Heyman fights. They're all Heyman-made fights. Yeah. So when you look at that and you go back to James DeGale's interview where Coogan asked him about Eddie Hearn and what, what DeGale said is, I don't think Eddie Hearn could have got me the fight yeah. with Jack. And, and this is what I mean about boxing. When you guys buy into the Hearn hype machine, the guy who still pulls the strings... I know I've discussed it on here before about Heyman not making the money he thought he'd make. But look at what he's done now. He said, guys, the money ain't what it used to be. You've all got to start fighting each other now.
2: Yeah, So we'll reset expectations and yeah. then you can
0: all fight. So expect Selby to be active next year. That that would be good for boxing. I think I think whatever Joshua card is at a stadium, expect to see Selby Warrington on that. Um... You know, all of these guys need to start getting quick. Needs to get back in the mix, and he needs to start fighting people. Let's hope Scott Quigg is true to his word and fights Rigondeaux. Let's just hope he, he said he'd fight him. Let's see, let's see if he He's does. He's moving it. up to featherweight, isn't he? Rig, Rigondeau come up. Like, yeah. and, and we all know that Rigondeau come up. Like it doesn't bother him.
2: Yeah. So it's put a negative on it, but that's the, the downside. But Not, three great fights. I'm, I think
1: that's that's as good as we're going to get from, in terms of positive from you. Uh, um, and yeah, and Terry's gone for grows to Gale too. Um, and uh, what was the last one you just said?
0: Then I'd like to see Selby Warrington. Well, there are a lot of fights I'd like to see. So I'd like to see, I'd like to see Wilder Povetkin. I think that would be good for Wilder. How, when when's Wilder due back? He's talking about he'll be ready in the summer. Okay, that'd be good. Well, because he he's back punching now.
1: Would that mean that he was back next season?
0: No, 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 no. He'll no. be back before that. So right. so he's he's back punching now. He, he's releasing video of him training. I think it's it's still predominantly left hand, but he's back in and he looks in shape, which is always good to see. Um, And then let's hope Fury comes back next year. Yeah, you know that. that, When when Fury comes back, everyone makes more money.
2: Yep. I want to see Chris Eubank have a relevant fight as well. That'd be like let's get Chris Eubank tested. Billy Joe Saunders. Like why is that second fight not happened? Mm. Is beyond me. Like boxing politics is mad at times, but why that fight hasn't happened again when Eubank Needs that uh, that breakout opportunity. Yeah. Billy Joe Saunders has been looking for a dance partner for Christ knows how long. I know that might sound a little bit silly, but are they scared of each other?
0: No, in I don't boxing, think no so. one's no one's scared of each other. It's no, it, it, it's, it's it's the financials. money.
2: <laughs> um, but it's just utter. There's money to be made out of that from it's, both sides. It's such a good fight. For um, the fans, as much as everybody, me included, slate Chris Eubank Jr. for all of his antics. He's still he's a box office fighter. He's a box office fighter. He brings the entertainment, the interest. Possibly, arguably, more than Anthony Joshua. Um, Anthony Joshua knocks people out, but Eubank is a fun, he's exciting. To watch. There, yeah. yeah, yeah. He's there's something about him. He's got that X factor that very, very few boxers do. But we're not seeing it utilized enough. So let's get a relevant fight out there for. Yeah, uh,
0: and let's get Brook involved. Like you know, let's let, let's 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 take what Brooks done against Golovkin and let's turn that into. The career he should have had. You know, instead of being jerked around from pillar to post by matchroom. You know, let, let Eddie home put some money back behind Brooke now. You know, the Tenerife thing is in the past. He's back to zero balance. <laughs> okay, uh, get in
1: touch with your questions. Any argu- the arguables, or anything you want us to answer
0: uh, for next week. And all you guys, share this, man. Share this with your pals, man, because... If they're not listening, what are you going to talk to them about? So make sure, make sure you spread the word. We we want to get to ten thousand listeners.
1: I'm sure you've heard it before, but it's worth repeating. At New Age Boxing UK, at The Seven Wolves, and at New Age Podfather on Twitter. Um, and yeah, get in touch. And all that's left to say, I guess, is thank you very much for
0: listening. Stay sexy. Remember, thank God, and stay humble, people. <laughs> I don't want to be